When's the last time you wasted a stupid amount of energy on a seriously non-important decision like where to eat or what to wear? This morning, yesterday, 10 minutes ago, I'm completely guilty of this. But today we're going to talk about some ways to combat this along with some things that will help you make little decisions that will change the course of your entire life. Here with Neil. Hi. And we're going to start this podcast off by talking about something that just happened to me 10 minutes ago. And I'm not going to say who it is, but I got a phone call from a friend who was freezing cold outside of a locked car trying to figure out what to do. And this person who was freezing cold and in a moment of panic had to decide between either using a hammer to... To break a window to open up a car with, you know, keys locked inside. Or what Neil suggested when this person phoned a friend was to maybe call a locksmith. And the reason why this person called Neil is because Neil is a car enthusiast. I've also broken into a car before. <laughs> it was my own car, but I, I broke into a car nonetheless. And he knows a few tricks. Because I've, I've done the same thing. Okay, so um, our friend had already tried a lot of the tricks and they were not working because of the type of car, the year of car, whatever. Um, But he's standing outside of his car. The keys are locked inside, freezing cold. So um, Neil suggested, why don't you call a locksmith? Because if you break the window, you're still going to have to pay for the window because you won't be able to route it through insurance. It's $500 deductible on most insurances for auto glass. Right. So, so. so you probably are going to be out of pocket more breaking the window than you are calling a locksmith. So the friend hangs up with us, says, thanks, Neil, for your advice. Really appreciate it, man. Calls us back and lets us know a few minutes later that the locksmith is $50. <laughs> so obviously the better choice. But in the freezing cold chill of the moment, not heat of the moment, but you know, in, in a kind of a, when push comes to shove kind of a moment, this person was about to break the window because they were just feeling like, I don't really care. I'll just do anything to get out of this situation. You know, which I totally understand. (laughs) I've been in a few of those myself and probably, you know, in my own way have broken the window sometimes. Yeah. So just out of frustration and making a quick off the cuff decision. Right. And it was just funny because I, we got off the phone and I was like, started laughing and Neil was like, why are you laughing? And I was like, it's so funny that we were literally preparing to do a podcast on choices. And then, you know, this perfect scenario pops up where it's like two different choices. You know, he could have broken his window and then had to fix the window and possibly been out of a car for a few days and had a big mess on his hands or just, you know, called someone and figured out that it was actually $50 to do, you know, take the other route. So anyway, we're going to talk about choices tonight and just making decisions. And what, what started this process for me was about a week ago, I heard, um, I listened to a podcast called the speed of your decisiveness from Jody Moore, whose podcast is better than happy. And I love her podcast. But in this episode, she she basically challenged people to 
just make choices quicker. You know, stop wasting your life, wasting your mental and emotional energy, making decisions that actually seriously don't matter and second guessing your choices. So for example, she said there's two different types of kids she used in one example that really resonated with me. Like if you walk into Target, you've got one kid who's going to go right in. They're going to make a decision. They're going to take it to the cash register and pay for it and love their decision and like actually derive a good amount of joy from that decision. And then there's another kid in your family who you're probably going to take to Target. They're going to walk around. They're going to think and ha and hum and ha over, you know, every deliberation of possibility of a toy that they could pick out there. And then finally, when you're like, okay, Johnny, time to go, they're finally going to take something. But as they're walking to the cash register, they're going to think to themselves, oh, wait, but what if I'm going to like the green car better than the red car or whatever? And they're going to pay for it. And then on their drive home and as they're playing with it at home, spend at least 50% of their energy wondering if maybe they would have had more fun in the red car. Um, And anyway, so she talks about how there's really two types of kids. Obviously, it doesn't really matter. Now, being an adult, you can step back and see that your kid would probably be equally as happy with either toy. It's just, did they make the decision quickly? And then did they love their decision and really, you know, find joy and gratitude in it? And our kids love, 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 love this video called The Shiny Bicycle. Yes. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. So can you reiterate that? Because I swear you know that story better than (laughs) I do. I've watched this video like a hundred times. It's one of those little videos. It's, it's, tailored for kids. So it's kind of cartoon-esque, but it, it basically describes the concept of the atonement of Jesus Christ, like making a mistake and then repenting of of that mistake and having your life clean again. So the, the, the basics of the story are that there's this kid, he gets a new shiny bicycle, um, he loves it, but then sees all of his friends were riding around on these red bicycles. And so he gets this idea to spray paint his bike um, instead of it being chrome to spray paint it red. So he spray paints it red, it drips all over, looks really bad, um, and then he's super bummed out about it. But then he goes to his parents, tells them what happened, and they were you know loving, accepting, and, and they helped him. They you know, said, all right, this is going to take some time. We're going to have to sand down your bike. We're going to have to kind of buff everything out and, and, um, and clean it up but we can get it back to the original chrome color. And he talks about how he goes through this process of, you know, shining up his bike again. And then, uh, then it's back to normal. But basically that whole idea of making a mistake and then, um, you know, utilizing the help of another i.e. Jesus Christ to, uh, overcome the, the challenge and get it back to brand new. So there's also another lesson, though, in the shiny bicycle, which you you gave that illustration so perfectly, and you're totally getting the probably much more important lesson out of that. But I look at it, and I'm like, oh, I see our kids in that going, oh, I'm so excited about my bike. And then they see someone else's bike, and they're like, wait, now mine's not cool. Now I want a red bike. Now I want something <laughs> I better. Jo- I jokingly referenced that one time, and <laughs> I said, I remember saying this to you. It was one day, if you remember this, when I'm like... Uh, the kid's name in the in this little show, this little video is this like this guy. I think it's Evan. He's like, well, then Evan got a red bike, and then my bike just wasn't good enough. And I'm like, well, the whole problem is, is if everyone got a red bike, then it would be just fine. 
Evan's the problem. Right. Evan's um, the problem. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, to your point, it's just kind of funny. Maybe think of that. Oh, anyway. So as much as I love to sit back and think like, oh, that's just my kids or that's just some immature kid. That is me all the time as far as not so much looking at someone else and thinking, oh, maybe now I want that because they have it. But the indecision kills me. And it's something that I struggle with all the time where, and Neil and I will do this where he'll be like, where do you want to eat? And I'm like, I don't know what sounds good to you. And he's like, oh, well, and he'll throw out some things. And I'm like, ah, no, that doesn't sound very good. And well, maybe, maybe I want sushi. Well, no, actually, maybe I want a salad, but we just had Mexican. And I just am like wasting brain cells and energy and (laughs) on what we're going to eat, you know, something so silly. So this past weekend when we were in Utah and um, Neil was hanging out with his family, he was spending some time with his nephew, Cole. I was with my sister, Brooke, and she said, what do you want to eat tonight? You know, what have you not had yet? And I was like, well, we've had Mexican a couple nights in a row. Um, I was thinking through some of my favorite places and I was like, how about a burger? I haven't had a good burger yet. And she was like, okay, where? And I was like, mm, let's go to hire. She was like, great. And I said, is that okay with you? Have you eaten there recently? And she said, no, that's great. And it just felt so good to just pick something and go with it. And in the past I would have been like, well, what sounds good to you? And what are the new restaurants? Or have you, eat, have you not eaten somewhere recently that you want to eat at? And we would have taken 30 minutes to deliberate about that back and forth and back and forth. And instead I just said, I think I want a burger. How about hires? And it was just so easy. And then we had a great time driving out there, you know, sitting in the the pickup window or area, whatever, and picking up the food and driving it home and hanging out with my little nephew, Georgie, in the back. And I think sometimes, for me at least, I waste a lot of time on what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Things that just seriously don't matter. And you can accomplish the same thing, getting a meal or having a meaningful conversation with someone on a date or on a, you know, a one-on-one or whatever by just making a quick decision and then sticking with it. And then I think too, there's the whole like being happy and grateful and feeling joy from that decision and just enjoying it instead of thinking the whole time like, oh, well, we would have had a better time if we'd gone here or maybe we wouldn't have had to wait that extra 10 minutes if we would have gone there or whatever. And what's your experience with that, Neil? (laughs) Well, I've lived this experience. I think every time we've are trying to decide where to eat, it's it's like such a (laughs) can be such a challenge. It's like this whole deliberation comes out in it's like a strategy meeting. We have like a 20 minute strategy meeting every time. It's like, well, we could do this, but here are the negative factors based on this decision. And if we, you know, maybe if we, we could do that, but then maybe this would happen or this would be better. So it, it takes a lot of energy out of that. But I think, um, yeah, in, in making those decisions, I think there, I, but I also get it though, because you and your family, you love food and you're a foodie family and it does matter and it is important and I totally get it. But um, you can pick out of two or three good places that have great food and have a and you're great win experience. Either way. Yes. Yeah. So I, I get it. Um, but for me on the scale of one to 10, like what's my level of most of the time I'm like, Hey, look, it's like a three or a four as far as like how, how important that is to me. Sometimes maybe I will have some input, but ask me, you know, another question like, Oh, what kind of like, what kind of bike do you want to ride? Or what kind of bicycle should I get? I'm like, or what kind of, you know, 
what kind of car would be good in this situation for this type of a family? I'm like, I'm all over it. And I'm like, well, let me, let me deliberate with you and let me get into that. Um, that's a whole different conversation because I do have an opinion on that one. Like, and I, it is, I don't know, like being someone who is a car guy, like I love, um, regardless of whatever type of car or how nice it is that just, there are different options and different things that I think about, um, that go into it and I'm, and you get me going on that one. It's like, yeah, well this or that, or here's, here's the pros and cons. Um, so I will jump into the deliberation on that one. So I have two follow-up thoughts. The first one is that I think recently when you and I have done the, on a scale of one to 10, how much does this matter to you? That's been really helpful to me because sometimes I think something's a big deal to you, but you're just going back and forth with me because you think that that's going to help me. And I think I'm being considerate of you because I think you care. (laughs) And then I find out that you actually don't care. You know what I mean? Exactly. So sometimes it's really helpful to know that. And just the other day you were picking out some cabinets for a garage And I was like, oh, do you not want the ones that exactly match the fridge and freezer out there? And you were like, well, I don't know. And we kind of looked, you know, we clicked back and started looking at the different color options. And I was like, listen, on a scale of one to 10, this is a two. I I don't care what you choose. You choose whatever you want. I just thought maybe you would want to think about having the match, but I really don't care. Which subsequently, I think you might have been right on that one. Now that I see him, I'm like, dang it. I should have got the black ones, but I don't care. They look fine to me. They, like they when I fine. walked out good. and saw them after you were done on Saturday, I was like, oh, they look great. Yeah, they look but I, it's not something that I care very much about. So I think the scale can be helpful if you have a spouse or even like a mom or a sister or someone in your life that you're trying to plan, you know, where you're going to go eat or a girl's trip or anything. You can ask, you know, does it matter to you? Like, you know, maybe they just don't really care where you're going as long as it's affordable, or maybe they only want to go somewhere warm and between Hawaii and Mexico, they don't care. Or maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things where I think we maybe are wasting energy or time trying to be considerate of the other person when they maybe don't care that much. And another thing, another takeaway from what you were just barely saying is that sometimes it's better to let the expert or someone who really knows help weigh in on a decision because the car example is a perfect example. Like I really don't care that much about cars. Like if it is reliable and somewhat comfortable and it fits our family well, great. Like I don't care. But you on the other hand care so much about cars that you're going to make much more informed decisions. And that has helped us out in many different um, well, maybe not the range. Not always. Maybe not, not always. The I have fallen. But, but, <laughs> but like I think back to when we were engaged and I was about to buy my first car and there were a couple of different cars that I was looking into and you talked me out of a couple of options that just were not as smart for me at the time, like a European, like an Audi that would have cost me a lot more buying a you know, five or six, I don't remember how many years old that Audi was, but it was old enough that it would have started coming up on repairs during the lifetime that I owned it. And it was so smart that you instead talked to me into the, um, Acura TSX because we didn't have a single repair on that car the whole time. I mean, like we maybe changed the brakes, but that was it. And it was affordable because it was, an Asian built car and they're just super reliable. And that's just not the kind of thing that I would think about. So I think it can be really helpful to ask someone who 
really has some expertise in that area. And, you know, when I sit and, and look through the things that I put together in blog posts, I have a few things in mind when I'm picking out things for like a women's, like a quick guide for a sale. I'm looking for a few things. I'm looking for things that are good brands, um, that I, you know, really know that they're going to bring great fit and they're going to be long lasting for people. Um, I know that they are modest. That's something that's important to me. And I feel like even though that's not something that I shout from the rooftops or, or declare all the time vocally, like verbally to my audience, I feel like people just know that about me. So I take the time to pick out things that are modest, that are good brands, that are going to fit well, that are going to last a long time. And those are the things that I try to put together when we're creating like a quick guide or when I'm creating a gift guide or when I'm recommending certain products. And I feel like when people come to me for those recommendations and coupled with a good deal on the, you know, best case scenario, which is what we always try to do on the blog, that is the type of thing that I feel like, okay, we're bringing great value to people because we're working really hard to align all of those things. But if you were to ask me to pick out a good car or a good, I don't even know what, like other realms that I'm just completely clueless in, I just wouldn't be able to help you, you know? So asking someone who really knows what they're doing, I feel like can be really helpful. That's why every time I want to know where to eat, I go to my sister's blog or I just text her because I'm lucky and she's my sister, um, female foodie, if you haven't heard of her, but she, um, she just knows where all the best food is, even in Orange County and anywhere we travel. She just always knows the best places. And in the rare event that she hasn't been to a place that I I'm traveling to where she hasn't had any of her contributors there. She can teach me the formula for finding the best food and, you know, making a good informed decision rather than trying to, you know, just get lucky and walk into some place and hope it's a good choice or, you know, reading through just scores and scores and scores of reviews from different places. I'd rather just go to someone who knows the best things. Um, so, I want to shift gears a little bit into taking decisions out of your routine that maybe are slowing you down. So things like, um, and, and the people who are just the very most high achieving, most of the people who really are just world renowned for anything have come up with some type of genius routine where, um, and in the book Essentialism, which I absolutely love, Greg McEwen, one of my favorite authors and someone I consider a mentor, wrote about making it look easy. And he says, routine is one of the most powerful tools for removing obstacles. Without routine, the pull of non-essential distractions will overpower us. But if we create a routine that enshrines the essentials, we will begin to execute them on autopilot. Instead of our consciously pursuing the essential, it will happen without having to think about it. We won't have to expend precious energy every day prioritizing everything. We must simply expend a small amount of initial energy to create the routine. Then all that is left to do is follow it. And I feel like with the very most important thing to me, once I started that in my daily routine of waking up, hitting my knees, saying my prayers, and reading my scriptures first thing in the morning, it has made a world of difference. It actually has changed my life. And that is such a cliche thing to say, but 
Once I unlocked the power of reading the scriptures every day in my life and saying a meaningful prayer and just communicating to Heavenly Father, this is what I'm stressed about. This is what I am hoping for. This is what I really need help with. This is, you know, please align my will with yours. Help me to know where I can spend the best amount of my energy today, where I can do the best, the biggest amount of good and where I can serve you the best, like Heavenly Father, just help me to do whatever your will is for me. Help me to know what it is and have the power to do it. It it just changes your whole life because if you're if you say that and you're actually willing to do it, then God's in charge of your life. Then He, you know, you make Him your business partner, you make Him your life coach, you make Him your parenting coach, your your marriage counselor, your everything, because you're allowing the spirit and then you couple it with scripture, right? You're allowing the spirit to come in and direct your life in every choice, big and small. And interestingly for me, I feel like when I follow that routine, that the spirit helps me with even small choices, even little things where I will sit down and look at a big, long to-do list. The spirit will say, do this first, Corinne where this thing needs to be done first. And I will never forget, I this is not something I was planning on sharing, but I will never forget that when I went through my divorce and I um, there was a morning where I needed to move a whole bunch of my things. And I um, didn't know very many people in the in the ward, which is like the church community that I currently lived in, who I could just call in the middle of the day who wouldn't have kids or a job or something that they would already be obligated to, right? So I called the girl who was my visiting teacher at the time, and now we call them ministering sisters, but she's kind of was like my buddy that was supposed to look out for me. And I said, I really need help with this, and I, I need to move all these boxes, and I only have a very short window of time to do it. And she said, let me make some calls. And she called me back and said, okay, this person who I knew, there were a couple people that I knew actually that showed up to do it. And the third person was someone I had never met. And she showed up and she was wonderful and she helped us move all the boxes. And at the end, she said, I just want you to know that I'm a I'm a student in vocal performance and I always practice first thing in the morning. That's just my routine. That's what I do. But she said this morning, I woke up and, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm getting it wrong. She said, I never practice first thing in the morning because... I think she said maybe because her voice isn't as good first thing in the morning, but she woke up and had a strong impression that she needed to f- complete all of her vocal practicing first thing in the morning. So she she said, I did it. I followed the spirit. I got it done. And then right when I was done, I got the phone call that you needed help and I was able to come help you. And I think about that and about how different that day would have been if that girl hadn't followed that prompting to get her all of her um, vocal performance, um, practicing done first thing in the morning so she could be available to help me. And I don't know that I've ever been that much of a help to anyone, but I try really hard to follow the spirit to tell me the order of things to do and when to do things and even like who to call or who to reach out to because God just knows so much more than I do and where he can use me the best. And so even those small choices, I try to rely on the spirit to help me with making those so that I can be the best servant to our heavenly father that I can be that day. But what, what else do you have to add Neil about like routine or having the spirit direct you? Yeah. Well, I think that's the the key. I mean, obviously making decisions is vital. We do that, you know, thousands of times a day, you're making all these, these decisions. And a lot of times it doesn't really seem like it's that big of a deal, but it's like 
everything put together, all of these small decisions make up to the whole, you know, make up the whole direction and trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. So it is a big deal and it does matter. Um, but I love there, there was a, a talk by one of the leaders of our church. His name was Thomas S. Monson. Um, he was actually the prophet of our church. Love President um, Monson. And he, he talks about the three R's of choice. He says, um, first, the right of choice. Second, the responsibility of choice. And third, the results of choice. And so it's kind of cool, you know, the, that we all have agency, which is the right of choice. And then obviously there's a responsibility of, of choice um, to make the right choices and we need to be responsible for our actions. And then the, the last one is the results or basically the consequences, good or bad, of the choices that we make. That he says here, he says, we cannot be neutral. There is no middle ground. The Lord knows this. Lucifer knows this. As long as we live upon this earth, Lucifer and his hosts will never abandon the hope of claiming our souls. Our Heavenly Father did not launch us on our eternal journey without providing the means whereby we could receive from him God-given guidance to assist in our safe return at the end of mortal life. I speak of prayer. I speak, too, of the whispering from that sm still small voice within each of us, and I do not overlook the Holy Scriptures, written by mariners who successfully sailed the seas we too must cross. So I think that gives me a lot of comfort knowing that um, there is divine inspiration. There is, uh, whether you're, even if you, you know, you don't necessarily believe in a higher power or, or God, um, there still is that the inner intuition or inner voice, which, which I believe is God, um, and the Holy spirit. That's kind of what I, what I call it or refer to it as that can guide us and direct us. And when, when we listen to that and we're paying attention and we're in a state or when I'm in a state of mind where I can, can focus on that and hear that voice, the decisions and the direction that I go in my life is far better and oftentimes completely different than what I had in mind. And it, and it's always better. It kind of comes back to that phrase that, you know, if I got everything that I wanted in life, I would shortchange myself for what God has in store for me. Um, and I just, I love that. I think it's so powerful um, that God, I don't know, it, it shows how much God loves us and how much he wants us to to return to live with him again that he's given us so many things and so many gifts um, in order to do that we've got prayer and scriptures and the holy ghost and um and i think that oftentimes prayers are answered through other people just like your your example yeah it was such a cool experience for me I want to talk about decision fatigue because I think that that is something that I think there's a spiritual element to it. And I think there's just a practical element to it. Um, so there's a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, successful people who like wear the same thing every day so that they don't have to choose, like they don't have to spend precious energy choosing, um, what they wear. And that obviously would not work for me because that's, part of my job is to, you know, and, and I 
enjoy that. I find joy in that where there's some people who just want to eat the same thing for breakfast every day. I'm kind of more like that where there are other people who it brings them joy to create something beautiful and delicious to eat for breakfast. I would just rather there's like, I eat the clean, simple eats oatmeal almost every day in the winter. And I eat like the acai bowl or shake every day in the summer when I want something cold. But I want to read one other part from essentialism. And then I want to talk about how it plays into, I think, our our everyday life and then our spiritual life. So he says, this is Greg McEwen again, our ability to execute the essential improves with practice, just like any other ability. Think about the first time you had to perform a certain critical function at work. At first, you felt like a novice. You probably felt unsure and awkward. The effort to focus drained your willpower. Decision fatigue set in. You were probably easily distracted. This is perfectly normal. But once you performed the function over and over, you gained confidence. You were no longer sidetracked. You were able to perform the function better and faster and with less concentration and effort. This power of a routine grows out of our brain's ability to take over entirely until the process becomes fully unconscious. So that that concept of decision fatigue is, again, if we go back to like what I was talking about with striving to be more decisive, um, I think there are things that we can take out of our lives that don't need to be decisions that we have to make over and over. And um, when I did a lot of therapy with my therapist, who's amazing during um, 2020, when I really struggled with just debilitating postpartum depression, she talked a lot about, she made me really um, much more aware of things that were sucking energy out of my life. Like she would point out to me, well, Corinne, you had to pick out all the ingredients for what you were going to make. And then you had to prepare the ingredients and then you had to cook the meal and then you had to think about, you know, making sure you had enough food for all of the people in your family and then you had to clean it up and then you had to do it all over again the next morning. And just that she was like, just the mental energy of figuring out what to eat and then making sure you had all the ingredients and enough food for everyone is that's going to take up a lot of your energy. Do you need to be doing that? And we ate a lot more takeout than probably I would normally like to admit, um, in those beginning stages of postpartum depression, but there just were a lot of days where she kept reminding me, Corinne, you have a small gas tank. And if you use up your gas tank on these things that maybe don't matter as much, then you're not going to have any gas left when it comes to the things that absolutely must be done in order to feed your family or in order to survive or, you know, whatever. So, um, I am trying to take out some of those decision fatigue things that um, that don't need to be like heavily deliberated about every day. But also where I want to turn it spiritually is that if you take some of those decisions out of, um, like I said, you know, if you can make things uh, just more of a routine, like saying your prayers, reading your scriptures, There are those things, but then there are also things. This was something that my dad was so good at teaching me when I was young. Like, make the decision now about some of the things that will keep you spiritually in tune. Like, make the decision that you're not going to drink. Make the decision that you're not going to have premarital sex. Make the decision. You know, he he helped me with so many things that it was like, okay. And then when you come to that crossroads, you've already made that choice. You already, you don't even have to spend mental or emotional energy on it. You already know, oh, I've actually chosen that I don't want to wear 
a certain type of outfit or I don't want to um, watch a certain type of movie or or whatever it is. And then it's like the the decision has been made. The choice is no longer something you have to spend mental and emotional energy wrestling back and forth with. But what has been your experience, Neil, with that? Well, I think, yeah, I think it comes down to making those choices early on. And once those choices are made there, there does come. And and I don't know, every time there is that crossroads, there is a point where it's like, okay, here it is. Here's, here's the chance where it's like, there's a fork in the road. And am I going to follow through with my prior commitment? Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier when you've made those, that decision beforehand to then when you get to it, you're like, well, it's already done. I already know what I'm doing and no, um, or yes. And I think the cool thing that I, that I have seen in my life, um, where I've been on both sides of the coin is a lot of times if it's in a group scenario or group setting that once you stand up for something and you, you stand up for your choice that, um, a lot of people, you might be the first one. And then all of a sudden you notice a lot of people feel the same way. And they're like, man, I just was waiting for somebody to, to stand up and say no, or stand up and say yes. Um, and I've seen that a lot in my life where, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been the one to stand up and say, Hey, I don't like, you, you know, no, let's not do this activity or no, this, let's not go to this party. I mean, that happened when I think when I was younger, a lot, um, more in high school and whatnot, or, where I was kind of didn't want to be in a situation. And then one person's like, Hey, I'm not feeling this. And then I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Like I've got somebody that I can like, yeah, I mean, neither I want to, you know, I'll buddy up with you and let's, let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just made me, made me think of that when you brought up that example. So true. I've, I've definitely witnessed that so many times and been a beneficiary of other people standing up and saying, you know, guys, we don't do this or I don't want to do this. And then, you know, other people being like, yeah, actually, what are we doing? You know? Um, or like, let's, let's, you know, take the higher road or can we go ahead and, you know, and I think we've talked about that with, um, gossip before where if someone is just, you know, kind of choosing to change the subject or not speak ill of someone, then it kind of just changes the tone for the whole group. It's like, you know, it's really powerful when people choose to lead by example. And I'm always super grateful for people who do that. Okay. So I want to talk about now, this really was probably the most important thing and something that was brought up in my all women's church group today about the, the importance of making a choice. And this is what you talked about just a minute ago with President Monson and the three R's right? The three yeah. R's of a choice. And, um, and that, you know, not choosing is still a choice. And, and so this is from a talk called, we will prove them here with from elder Bednar in October of 2020. But he was talking about when he was, uh, the president of BYU, Idaho, and that Jeffrey R. Holland came to campus in 1998 to speak at a weekly devotional. Elder Bednar asked him if you could teach these students just one thing, what would it be? So this is almost like if we had Elder Holland on our podcast, if there's one message that you could get people to remember, what would it be? This, this was Elder Holland's answer. We'll pretend that he's our guest today. This is what he said. We are witnessing an ever greater movement toward 
polarity. The middle ground options will be removed from us as Latter-day Saints. The middle of the road will be withdrawn. If you are treading water in the current of a river, you will go somewhere. You simply will go wherever the current takes you. Going with the stream, following the tide, drifting the current will not do. Choices have to be made. Not making a choice is a choice. Learn to choose now. And that to me is remarkable that he said that in 1998, but um, I feel like we keep hearing those messages over and over. And that's not just particular to Latter-day Saints or people who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I feel like that's it's like that with everyone. It's, um, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I think especially with how the world is right now, and yes, we are very, very divided and we need to find more ways to be united, but in our own personal conduct and in our own choices and where we choose to align our ourselves in our action and in our belief, I think more in our action even than in our belief and in our personal worship and in our personal code of conduct and how, who we are really at the core, you have to make choices and you have to sometimes make hard choices. And I think there are more hard choices coming up for us. I just feel that with the things that our leaders have said and the things that the scriptures predict and the way that life continues to unfold. It's like, attending church. I think that a lot of people have just not gone to church for so long. And then even with us, like, okay, packing the kids up, getting all the coloring books and the Cheerios and getting everybody ready and out the door on time and all of that, like, would it be easier to stay home? Yeah, totally. It would be way easier to just stay home and not go to church. 100%. There is zero question about it. Getting four kids, little kids out the door for church in the morning, not easy. But sitting there today in the chapel and feeling just this overwhelming love from Heavenly Father for me, for my family, for our ward family, I was so grateful that we made that choice. And it's like Neil and I made that choice when we got married. Like we will go to church together and that will always be a priority to us. So it's not like something we had to even deliberate about because it's just who we are and what we do and so like central to our family's values. And it just, I felt the blessings of that as we sat in church today, of that choice to, even though it's hard, get everybody up, get everybody ready, get them out the door and sit in church and worship as a ward family and as a church community. I just, I felt those blessings so deeply and fully today, but it's not always an easy choice. So what are your thoughts, Neil? Well, I would totally agree with you. I think that that's just a choice that we made a long time ago that has has been a huge blessing in our life. And I, I don't I don't know. I look at COVID, and I look at the challenges of it, and where all of a sudden you have everything is taken away. So the things that um, you know maybe spiritually would strengthen me, typically, or us, or anybody, um, you know, you look at church or these gatherings or for us, you know, going to the temple is important. We were doing that weekly prior to COVID that's gone. Um, or activities, meeting up with other people, all of these things are gone. So suddenly it forced a situation where it required and has required a lot of intention. Like you really have to, I was having this conversation with a buddy the other day where it's like, especially with spiritual things or things of a spiritual nature, like you have to be so intentional about how you go about it and so proactive. It's no longer, 
I can just kind of show up and just be fed spiritually by this, uh, you know, this sermon I hear at church or this talk at church. It's like, I, I have to tune in. I'm, I'm doing it online or whatever. And it's maybe it's harder to connect with, or maybe I can't even get there. And I, I just don't, you know, have this opportunity to. And so I was on my own, I have to create time to sit and meditate and read my scriptures and pray. And like, that is is the core source of my spiritual development and growth. And there's been a lot of that where, you know, for us, I think, again, the temple is something that we haven't been able to go to still. It's not open for us right now um, to, to be able to attend consistently. And so it, it requires me and us taking action in other ways to kind of bolster that spirituality and develop that in order to be strengthened and, and be in a good spot. So it, it takes a lot of proactive choice to be able to get what you need spiritually, especially right now. Well, and since you brought up the temple too, that's something that I specifically thought of earlier today that president Nelson, the, the prophet of our church or president of our church too, gave a challenge to the members of our church in October of 2020. 2019, maybe 28. I don't know. In October, a year or two ago. And he said, um, you know, I, he basically asked all the members of the church to make an appointment to be in the house of the Lord, um, on a regular basis and keep that appointment with exactness and joy. And a few months later for my, um, so it was in twenty. It was in 2018 2018. because then 2019 was the year that we said, okay, let's start going every single week. And there were just, were so many blessings that came from that. Like, I think the fact that Dave died that year and then we just got into, we had already made the decision. We were already in the habit. And that year was one of the hardest years of anything we've ever been through. And I think had we not made that decision, it would have been super easy to be like, you know what? Like, it's just, we're going through a lot right now. We'll get there when we can. And imagine how many blessings we wouldn't have had, you know, during, like, I don't even want to think about how much harder that year would have been without the blessing of being in the temple and having that peace and spirituality and strength every week, that added measure of strength. Um, And I also thought about Harry today. I thought about how the prompting to um, have Harry join our family was so strong, you know, every week, week after week, I kept getting that prompting over and over, like, there's one more up there who's like, I'm ready. I want to come down now. I want I'm put me in, you know, put me in coach, put me in now. Like I just kept having that prompting so strongly that there was one more baby for our family. And I think about if we hadn't been going to the temple, if we hadn't had those very strong promptings to have one more baby and then, you know, have this joyful experience of having this little boy come into our family Would we, you know, if we had delayed that or waited a little longer, I mean, for me, I loved that three-year gap. I loved the three-year gap between Lila and Millie. So if I'd gone for a three-year gap one more time between Millie and one more baby, if we had even decided to have one more baby, which we definitely talked about maybe only having three kids, not only, but just like being done after three kids, um, that would have put us into the pandemic of thinking of having another baby. And at that time, would I have wanted to have another baby? I could see myself maybe not, you know, saying like, no, like this isn't a good time. We're going through so much. It's crazy. 
So would Harry have joined our family later or ever or, you know, whatever? I You just don't know. But, like, I'm so grateful that we were in the temple regularly, that we made that decision and we just kept it and kept it with exactness and joy and how many blessings came into our life because of that. And it is the number one thing that I have missed during COVID is that temple date and being able to just sit in the temple with you and just feel that peace and joy. And, um, I miss it so much and I can't wait to get back to it. And I don't know that I would recognize those blessings if we hadn't been going as regularly as we were. So I'm super grateful for the prophetic counsel that president Nelson gave us to have that appointment and keep it with exactness and joy because it just brought, brought us so many blessings and we made the decision and then we were done with it and just, we just kept going with it. And so, um, anyway, my final thoughts are that to, um, I'm personally for me, I'm striving to be more decisive, be quickly decisive, and then just have joy and enjoy my decisions. And then if not, like if, if it's not the right choice, the Lord will redirect me. That's the great thing about striving to have a spirit in your life is if you make a wrong choice, he's, he's there to redirect you. And then you just do it. You just repent and you, you know, course correct. And, and it's not a big deal, but in a lot of those silly mundane decisions in our life, like I'm just so much happier just making a quick decision and going with it rather than wasting brain cells and emotional energy deliberating about things that just don't matter that much. And then for the things that do matter, I know that when we make decisions to be on the Lord's path and to make God, our business partner and our life partner and our life coach and all those things, and to make decisions that keep us on the path and then also make decisions that are in our routine that help us to keep the spirit with us that we just are happier. You just are. You're just happier when you're on God's side and when he can direct and help you navigate life. So those are my final thoughts. What are yours? I think my final thoughts would be trying to avail yourself of what God has given blessed us with as far as being able to connect with him to make the right choices through inspiration or intuition or what I would call the spirit. And so aligning yourself or aligning what I strive to do is align myself with his will. And a lot of times it takes me kind of getting out of the way, so to speak, and and letting letting go or surrendering my own desires or what I think is going to be best and taking the time to stop and to pray and and I think the advice that I got from I was going to serve a mission for our church and the, one of the leaders, the state president said to me, uh, his big thing was like, pray and go. Like, pray, you know, pray, get get kind of the decision and go and act, take the action and receive the revelation and go. And so I love that. it just requires a willingness to turn to, to God in prayer and then take action, be willing to pray and go. So kind of some final thoughts. I love it. Well, thanks you guys for choosing to be here with us today and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 